This is Richard Hindmarsh. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. If you are interested in a more in-depth review of the topics covered in these podcasts, check out my author page on Amazon. This podcast is an excerpt from my recently published book titled Deadly Roots, The Subtle Destructive Power of Bitterness. Bitterness is the internalization and personalization of a real or perceived injustice with a persistent and intense rumination about the injustice or the agent of the injustice, resulting in more damage caused by the bitterness than could ever be caused by the injustice. Tannerite is a combination of two safe and stable compounds, an oxidizer consisting of ammonium nitrate and ammonium perchlorate and a catalyst comprised of aluminum powder. The oxidizer and the catalyst are very safe if kept separate, but when combined and subjected to the impact of a high-velocity impact, they explode. You get the same result if you mix an offense with bitterness. The offense is the oxidizer and bitterness is the catalyst. The result is psychological tannerite. Combine these two and subject the combination to a high-velocity impact of stressful living and kaboom, you have an explosion of misery. We live in a world awash with bitterness and misery. How do we survive? How do we keep it together? How do we protect ourselves against bitterness? God created man to experience fulfillment in quality relationship with God, aware of his value and purpose, active and creative with power and a vibrant eternal spirit. Humanity is to be both physically alive and spiritually alive. God created humanity with all that was needed to be completely content. With disobedience came a fracture in our God image. Now there is a problem. We still have God's image, but its expression and experience have become severely distorted. God is patient, God is kind, and God has provided through His Son a path of restoration. God loves you and is wanting to relate to a humble, honest, and thankful humanity. Psalm 139 verses 5 and 6 from the Passion Translation is an expression of this kind of love. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. We do not need to fear the future. God has gone into our future to prepare our way. Even when things seem dark and uncertain, God has prepared our future. You do not need to be anxious about tomorrow or paralyzed because of your past. We do not have to be controlled by guilt, shame, offenses, past abuse, or injustices. We do not have to live a life of misery and bitterness. 
there is hope. Because of a loving God, we can be free from anxiety about the future and harm from the past and live with thanksgiving today. Relationship with God is the only effective treatment for the misery of bitterness. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Genesis 1:26 from the New Living Translation. God imprinted humanity with his image. This image of God is the essence of who we are as humans. If we live consistent with the image, we are content. But if we live contrary to the image, the consequences are emptiness, greed, bitterness, discontent, pain, and turmoil. This fractured image is why we struggle with all the burdens common to all humanity. We all, to some degree, struggle with the same things. Life is hard. On the surface, it may seem that some struggle more than others, but we are all tempted to turn our backs on God to the same degree. Our emptiness drives our greed and gives birth to self-destructive bitterness and misery. In God's grand creation, humans are unique. We are all image bearers. We are not the same as other mammals. We have the image of God and an eternal spirit. As an image bearer, no matter how hard we try to deny God, we know there is a God, a benevolent, intelligent creator, and that we are not that creator. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship, all his creation, the wonderful things he has made, so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. Romans 1 verse 20 from the Amplified Translation. We do not have to feel pressured to convince people that there is a God. That knowledge is already in them and is evident everywhere you look in God's creation. There is an intelligent creator, a loving intelligent creator. Unfortunately, the knowledge that there is a God does not mean that we will seek him. On the contrary, we all try to hide from God. We have our ways to protect ourselves from God. We hide from God through open rebellion, denial, drugs, or alcohol. We can also hide in ways that seem innocent, like computer games, work, service, and on and on. We are skilled at running and hiding. We justify the hiding by focusing on the injustices we have had to endure. We feel we deserve to be bitter. Bitter towards our fellow man and resentful towards God. We are all greedy and self-serving. Our only experience of this world is through our own eyes, 
and we become blind to the life and struggles of others. We are here for ourselves. Apart from a relationship with God, we all, whether sweet or nasty, follow a self-serving life path. If we are not God-serving, we are self-serving. What has been self-serving has become self-consuming. All the selfish acts we have performed and all the self-serving stuff we have gathered will eventually burn. Discontentment is a part of every human's life experience. The result of being a fractured, bitter image-bearer is discontent. This discontentment is often deep and painful. The pain of this discontent causes us to be self-focused and self-protective. If you drop a concrete block on your foot, you are not likely, at that moment, to be thinking about your neighbor's struggle with life. We become fixated on our pain and how we have been offended. When you focus on pain, it only makes the pain more intense. As fractured image bearers, we are all equally tempted to turn from God and seek our way. We try to make our life work and lessen the pain of discontent. The light from God's presence reveals our deception and self-centeredness, and this exposure is painful, so we run and hide. The pain of life's struggles compels us to look for solutions that are within our power and control. We do everything in our ability to remain independent of God and in the process become dependent on our irrational beliefs and schemes. We know there is more because God has planted eternity in our hearts. This life on earth cannot be all there is. We do all we can to quiet this unsettling feeling. We use distraction, denial, activities, and possessions to gain some sense of superficial peace. None of our ingenious schemes work, so we end up living in quiet discontent or open misery. Discontent becomes discomfort, which then drives our actions and motives to seek comfort. Comfort at any cost becomes life's main priority. Compulsive comfort-seeking quickly turns into an addiction. Bitter people like to stick together, and they do not wish to be around contented people. Misery truly loves company. We do not want our secret comfort plan exposed, so we avoid those who have a restored God image and huddle together with other bitter people. Living the life that God intended, the life of a restored image bearer brings contentment. Thankfully, God has a plan for restoration, a way for us to regain the restored God image. Even though you were once distant from Him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, He reconnected you back to Himself. He released His supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of His own body as the sin payment on your behalf, so that you would dwell in His presence. And now, 
There is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22 from the Passion Translation. We do not have to remain in a life of misery. With the renewing of our spirit, we can live as God intended, but we still have an unrestored mind, habits, emotions, and desires. We need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, and our minds need ongoing renewal. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 from the Amplified Translation. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Our minds are renewed or washed by God's word. Ephesians 5 verse 26 from the Passion Translation. To make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. We are now on the path from misery to peace. The process is one of humbly coming before the Lord, asking him to search our hearts and identify and root out the irrational thoughts, the untamed emotions, the damaging habits, and the ungodly desires. We can rest confident in Philippians 1 verse 6 from the Amplified Translation. I am convinced and confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, the time of his return. If you are drowning in bitterness or wallowing in misery, take time daily to ask God to search your heart and then have the courage and faith to change what he reveals to you. At the end of your day, as you prepare for bed, Pray Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I am walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways the path that brings me back to you. If you abandon this growth process, it will not take long, and greed, misery, and bitterness will slowly creep back into your life. If you follow this path, do not expect appreciation from your previous group of family and friends. If you have been part of a group that shares their bitterness and you move in a godly path, you will face rejection from your former bitter friends. Your contentment 
is a threat to their beliefs, irrational thinking, and their way of life. You bring with you God's light, and this is a threat to those hiding in the darkness. They hide, knowing they are not living as one should. They know their deeds are self-centered and evil. They don't want your light around. If you become offended because of your previous social group rejecting you, you may resort to your previously destructive irrational thoughts as a way of escape. Bitterness can be tempting. Stand firm. God is faithful even when your family and friends are not. How do you live contented and at peace in a world of bitterness? How do we thrive and grow in godliness in a crooked and perverse world? How do we survive with a bitter spouse or close friend? What does Philippians 2 verse 12 from the Amplified Translation mean when it states, Continue to work out your salvation, that is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. This renewed God-image life is only possible if we follow Paul's advice in Philippians 2, verses 5-9. to Have this same attitude in yourself, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to Him as your example in selfless humility, who, although He existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with Him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted, as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity, by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found, in terms of his outward appearance as a man, for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself, still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on the cross. If we expect to thrive and grow and break free from bitterness, we must humble ourselves as Christ humbled himself. We need, with the help and comfort of the Holy Spirit, to live without regard to our reputation. We must lay aside our self-centeredness and pride and seek him. The individual with the restored God image will pursue the most important relationships in their lives. The most important relationship is the relationship with God. Take time to talk to God. Ask Him questions. Look for answers to your questions in His Word. Secondly, value your relationships with other people. Follow the instructions given in Philippians 2 verse 4 and do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
Do not just rapidly pray for others. Take time to consider their personal interests. Ask yourself what it is like to be fill in the name of the individual that you will meet today. If you find your love for others has grown cold, you will find it starts to warm again if you take the time to consider their personal interests. To help with this a little more, I would like to introduce a concept called burden filtering. Your love grows cold because you have become preoccupied with the miseries of your life. This painful misery results in self-focus and this causes our love for others to grow cold rapidly. Following the advice in Philippians 2.4 will begin to warm your compassion. Take five minutes daily for the next seven days and consider someone else. Now, burden filtering is not just thinking about them. It is prayerfully thinking about them in the light of their possible present struggles. Make a list of people you are going to consider. The list should include a parent, your spouse or a close friend, someone much younger than you, like your child or grandchild, a person of prominence that you admire, a homeless person standing on the street corner with their cardboard sign, and a friend. You should include someone you dislike, like someone who has mocked you or has caused an offense. Now, take five minutes to consider that person in the light of their life misery and struggle. Do they struggle with a sense of isolation and meaninglessness? Are they struggling with their decisions and purpose? Are they struggling with their mortality and are they spiritually whole? Are they struggling with issues of trust? Are they aware that God loves them? Do not use this time to compare their struggles to yours. Assume that their battles are currently more intense and painful than yours. Remember, we are to consider others above ourselves and not less than ourselves. Once you have completed this time of burden filtering, it is time to pray. Start by thanking the Lord for them, thanking Him that He loves them more than you ever could. Thank Him that John 3.16 applies to them as much as it does to you. Ask that the word of God's love come to them and offer yourself as a means to deliver the message of hope. Ask the Lord to prepare your words and provide the opportunity. Ask the Lord to send other believers across their path, someone who they will listen to that can guide them to Him. Ask that the scales of doubt, denial, self-centeredness, and spiritual blindness fall from their spiritual eyes. Ask the Lord to protect them and that they may feel the consequences of their life direction but not suffer harm in that direction. If this burden filtering followed by prayer becomes a regular part of your life, you will find you start to see others as God sees them and your compassion will warm. Boundaries still will be necessary, but at least you will be able to set them with kindness. By seeking God to address your emptiness and setting aside greed and bitterness, you are now free to live your life as originally intended. 
what you depend on for your sense of value owns you. God himself owns you now. He paid the price for your freedom. You are now free from the exhausting efforts you used to spend to gain a sense of value apart from God. You can now live with realistic expectations and priorities that will bring contentment and fulfillment. This freedom will unleash your creative power and bring life and substance to your dreams and imaginations so you can find and fulfill your role in making the world and God's kingdom a better place. With a restored God image, you no longer must live being controlled by fear. We can live with the promise in Romans 8.31 from the Amplified Translation. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be successful against us? We no longer feel the need to waste our life hiding, guarding secrets, or living in denial. God is big enough to handle any reality. We are free to be humble and honest. A restored God image means we are more spiritually intact and aware. We understand the meaning of Ephesians 6 verse 12 from the Amplified Translation. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. We are aware that there is a lot more going on than we see on the surface. In the ideal situation, in a world of non-bitter, contented people, relationships would be straightforward. People would love one another. They would be trustworthy and authentic. We will have to wait for that world. So how do we maintain a life free from bitterness in a world of bitterness? We should have the attitude of Philippians 2, verse 5 from the Amplified Translation as a guide to relationships this side of heaven. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through fractional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility being neither arrogant or self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. This attitude will impact the quality of our relationships, give love a definition, help with proper placement of trust, and encourage authenticity. The Bible tells us that they will know we are Christians by our love, and that we are to love others as we would love ourselves. Love compassionate consideration of others must be balanced this side of heaven with boundaries. My work with people suffering from addiction is an excellent example of the importance of this principle. If I provide compassionate care without limitations, it will be interpreted as a license to continue a self-destructive lifestyle. These boundaries can and do save lives. Take time to think of appropriate boundaries. Boundaries are necessary for all human relationships. At times, these boundaries must be written and signed, especially if you are in the awkward position of raising a rebellious teen. Be courageous enough to state the boundaries. Give thoughtful consideration about what should be appropriate boundaries. Our relationships 
should be compassionate and loving, but problems arise when we talk about trust. It is relatively easy to love. It is challenging to trust. Yet, it is the level of trust that more clearly defines the quality of a relationship. Trust should be based on someone's actions and not just their words. Some of the hardest criminals will speak some of the sweetest, kindest words. Trust is essential, but it must be with caution. Be patient in your judgment. The Bible tells us that it is by their fruit we will know someone. Develop your skills as a fruit inspector. You will need to maintain clear boundaries while you wait to see the fruit of their life. Be honest and trustworthy, but be wise when it comes to trusting others. You do not want to permit ongoing injustice and offense. Strive to be authentic. Be honest and humble. Cherish your solitude time with God. Ask Him daily to search your heart, then be willing to change what needs to be changed. The more authentic you are, the more clearly you will recognize authenticity in others. In an ideal world, we would all work together and our meaning and value would be secure in who we are in relationship with God. We would all cooperate and work to elevate one another. There would be no competition or striving for meaning, value, or purpose. We would have a clear understanding of our God-provided value. We should live aware that our value comes from God. This awareness should produce an attitude of thanksgiving. Whether you succeed or fail in a task, your inherent value is secure as a child of God. Your life should reflect the words of the psalmist in Psalm 107, verse 1 from the Amplified Translation. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His compassion and loving kindness endure forever. Are you this thankful? Are you full of gratitude for all that God has done for you? If thanksgiving is waning, it may be time to ask why. It may be time for a humble and honest evaluation of where you draw your sense of meaning and worth. Pause and look at all you have or all you desire and give it all back to God and let Him energize you. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Humble yourself and pray. God will lift you and he will restore your thanksgiving as you find your value in him. As you set aside greed and bitterness, you are now free to serve others. 1 Peter 4.10 Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Your value does not come from your gifts or talents. They were given to you by God. You do not own them, 
you are a steward. Use what he has given you, whether it is much or little, to serve others. We are to be co-creators with God. With bitterness set aside, we have the freedom to approach a task as God intended. We can rely on our God-given creativity and curiosity to pursue our dreams with passion and commitment. We are free to use our God-given talents and abilities to dream and imagine solutions, businesses, inventions, and so on to serve God and others. Acts 2.17 And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my Spirit upon mankind, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see divinely prompted visions, and your old men shall dream divinely prompted dreams. It is time for God's people to wake up and dream. You are free to use your energy to focus on the task and not be distracted, trying to gain a sense of meaning or attempting to avoid the consequences of destructive decisions. You can push ahead with diligence. Colossians 3 verses 23 and 24 Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul, that is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance which is your greatest reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you actually serve. If you are serving yourself, your diligence will dissolve and you will become bitter. Do all you do as if you are serving the Lord. You can now live your birth dream with passion and commitment, with the energy to see the vision come to reality. When you live free of bitterness and misery, you no longer live controlled by fear. You are secure in your relationship to God and no longer need to be controlled by fear of failure or the reliance on an excellent result to be confident in yourself. Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, of salvation. With a restored spirit, we can now live with the right priorities. We no longer need to live in denial or be controlled by fear. We can begin to see and prioritize as God sees and prioritizes. We can understand what will last and what will burn. We are not held hostage by our sense of mortality. When you are living in misery, you are focused on the injustices and offenses that have come your way. This type of life focus will destroy you. We should be living with eternity in mind, living to build and support God's kingdom, not striving to create our own little empire. Is eternity in your mind? We should value what has eternal value. Pause to consider what will last and what will not. Where is your focus? What do you value? What do you treasure? Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
If your heart is troubled, it is because you have rotten treasure. Live today with eternal priorities and values. You are unique. God loves you. You can have a meaningful relationship with God. As His child, you have substantial value. You have God-given creative power. God gave you an eternal spirit. So live your life as God intended, free from emptiness, misery, greed, and bitterness.